0: hello boys and girls welcome to the cool kids lunch table podcast with pj and mike now please find yourself a seat at their table
1: hello welcome to this week's episode of the cool kids lunch table podcast with pj and mike as always i'm one half of the cool kids pj and i'm mike and today we have a special guest with us that's going to be uh, helping us to talk about some movies. We'll be talking about if modern movies suck. We'll be talking about well-written movies, some bad written movies. Uh, we're going to even talk a little bit about the actor strike and the writer's strike. Uh, so Mike is going to introduce our guest for us.
2: Yeah, yeah. So guys, to help us out, we have Kirby Taylor. Uh, she's from. She's a Minneapolis-based writer and creator with four complete feature-length scripts, and plenty more original works on the way. She loves all things movies. Her favorite things are a bucket of popcorn and her dog Remy. For the movie and meme lovers, check out her uh, cinema, cinema, oh man, scene centric, that's uh, all folks, Instagram at popcornymovies uh, and stay popcorny friends. So, Kirby, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. We really, really, really appreciate it. We're happy to have you on here.
0: Cinecentric.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> my uh, a
0: made-up word.
2: My special ed's kicking in. Sorry.
0: <laughs> all are welcome. All are welcome. Uh, hey, cool kids. I'm Kirby. Thank you for inviting me to sit at your cool kids table. Usually, I eat lunch alone with the librarian. So appreciate it.
1: Well, there's always room at the cool kids lunch table for a librarian. Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> and we're everyone's welcome at the table. As long as you can be yourself, that's all. What well, that's what it's all about. But um. Yeah, we're very really happy to have you on here, and uh, we always start off with a childhood memory. So Kirby, we're going to start with you. What made, what movie made you want to make movies or write movies? You know.
0: Yeah, and it's it's hard to remember one, I think, is you go backwards, you kind of just lump everything together, but I do remember as a kid just loving the magic of Disney films. Mm. You know, I would run around the house with a basket and a book in it and pretend I was Belle. Bonjour! Hey.
1: Bonjour!
0: Bonjour! Bonjour! Like, plenty of songs were sung, so... You know, it wasn't necessarily, yes, I'm going to make the next Little Mermaid, but it was something about just the magic of those films and and how they really encompassed my childhood. So that feeling was kind of always there as a kid.
2: Great. hmm Um, what it was, is Belle your favorite Disney princess?
0: (laughs) I'm technically an Ariel. Um, no, I I don't have a favorite. I think when you start choosing favorites, it just goes downhill. But I mean, (laughs) my favorites are always going to be the random sidekicks like uh, Timon and Pumbaa or
2: something.
1: (laughs) Right, 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 right. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm also a big Disney kid. Um, I grew up on all those movies. Also, I go to the parks all the time. I I love me some Disney.
0: Yes. I'll see you there.
1: I go, we, we used to go once or twice a year to all the different oh, parks. Wow. Yeah. We've um, we did Disneyland Paris a few years back. That was pretty cool to see that. I, I want to try and hit all the parks. That's one of my bucket lists yeah. to hit all the parks. So I'm a big Disney kid. So I hear you on that.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Is that one of your earlier movie memories too? Is Disney or was it something else?
1: My earlier movie memories, definitely a lot of Disney um, because I, I mean, I, like I said, I love it. And as a kid, you can't not watch those cartoons and just be enthralled, like you said, it's their magic, right? Um, and then I'm a, when you when you see all those movies, but then you get to go to the parks and you go through the, the dark rides, and it's like being in the movie. It's just an, an even different experience. Although the the first movie I remember seeing that made me want to make movies was uh, was not a Disney movie. The movie that made me mm-hmm. want to make movies and write movies is Clerks, which is probably the furthest thing from a disney movie yeah um but that's the movie i saw i was older obviously um when i saw that but that's the movie that's like man this is this is sounds like me like they're talking about comic books they're talking about star wars they're talking about all this stuff that i love it was like a movie made for me they're they're cursing the way i curse and that's the movie that made me think i can do this i could i can create some sort of content um so that's the first movie that really got me into the idea of filmmaking. But the first movies I saw and loved that wanted that made me want to keep watching movies were definitely Disney movies and then like your Batman '89s and your, your superhero movies.
2: Yeah, I'm think I'm on the same page with PJ with all of those. I think for mine, I think I, I think in the past PJ we spoke about this. I talked about Terminator 2, but I yep. think I'm just thinking about it even now. I was saying um I think even Roger Rabbit. I think you know, because like you think about the beginning when Roger, you know, you know, maybe hopefully this isn't a spoiler. But in the beginning, it's like a cartoon. and all it takes you into the real world. You know, and that's like the first time I guess like I saw a movie where there was like a behind the scenes. You know, as a kid, I actually thought he was real, but um,
1: I was like, isn't
0: oh that a Disney movie?
1: Yeah, Disney. Yeah. Yeah, I think
2: it's like yeah. a yeah, Paramount.
1: Yeah, it's Amblin. The I crossover event, right? Touchstone, Touchstone. That's what it's Touchstone. So yeah. um, mm-hmm.
2: which is like a I guess they're off brand because they want more adult films. You know.
0: Off-Broadway,
2: yep. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, nice. So, Kirby, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, like my brother and I re- re- wrote some movies. And, like, I guess for you who's like done, you know, look, we're, my brother and I, you know, we're kind of, you know, the uh, the ghetto version. You know, we're doing it like street time, you know, like, <laughs> you know, copy-paste kind of thing. And, you know, trying to, you know, you know, when we, you know, early 2000s, we were trying to do this. So, I'm curious for you, who's someone who's really, who is a screenwriter, who's written, complete things I guess how did, how did you, you know how did you get started with this you read books did you you know I don't know you have a mentor you know
0: yeah yeah I'm not classically trained either you know I didn't go right, to right. a symphony or <laughs> or school for writing um I can't remember a creative writing class it was, it was it was more uh actually that I wanted to act you know I have a theater minor from college and I was in theater growing up quite a lot you know I've always kind of been a ham
1: all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm
0: ready for my close-up. So I thought the that the acting route would be the way that I I got into movies. And, you know, that really switched when... And it, it really didn't dawn on me until literally mid-COVID mm. that I could write down the stories that I had been telling myself in my head. You know, I'm always just kind of doing too many things at once <laughs> in my brain. Um, and... So I just finally decided one day, like, hey, what would this look like in a script? Um, So started really, really basic and, and sketchy and just put everything on paper. And then, yeah, I just found a lot of books, a lot of online resources to get the templating right. You know, that's a really difficult part. And it just went from there, and you now now that I've opened that doorway, it doesn't really stop. Like I even have dreams in screenplay where I stop in my dream and go, "You should wake up and write this down because it's going to be a great film." Wow! <laughs> and then it's of course not. It's not. You know, you wake up and you read your notes, and it's like lizard president from Mars. I don't know. It's just like nonsensical dream thought. But uh, my first screenplay was based on a dream sequence that I had. So sometimes it's just like these clear visuals that pop into my head. And then I just write them down. And then I try to connect them. And it's interesting because Taika Waititi, who's one of my favorite writer-directors, he has said that he does something similar. You know, start with the big pieces, the big scenes, get those on paper, and then make the connections from there. So that's the way I go about it. Like I said, not classically trained. You know, writing doesn't look like one thing to everybody. You know, start where you're at and then go from there.
1: I I went to film school for a while. And, um, one of the things that I remember, you know, learning, and it's something that kind of stuck with me and it kind of goes back a little bit to what Mike was saying, how when him and his brother were making movies and stuff, they were kind of doing it on the fly and, and doing it their own way. But I, I always like when I was first getting into movies and trying to learn how to write had these big, and I'm a big comic book nerd, right? So I'd write these big elaborate things of like superheroes and explosions and battles in the sky. Right. And then you know, you think maybe I'll make an indie movie and you very quickly realize Mm. I can't make this movie. (laughs) I can't do it. How am I supposed to, I can't make somebody fly. (laughs) Um, and then I started learning, like when I write, I have to write towards what I can do. Mm. And that's another reason why, like clerks, you know, to go back to that that, because he wrote a movie he could make on his own because he filmed it in a convenience store that he worked in. Right. But That was something that really stuck with me when I started going to film school and I started realizing, oh, I can't make a a movie with a giant dinosaur in it, um, but I can make something local, you know, where I have access to. And, And that's just something that really stuck with me. And another reason why that movie is a movie that when I think about influences, because he was smart enough to create something that only he could make, that he could afford to make, that he could do. And I just think that's a smart way of writing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I'm i in Minneapolis. It's it's not easy to make the connections you need to bring, you know, script to screen. So I'm actually starting a play. You know, I thought maybe start with a play, something that you could put on locally, you know, low budget, you know, two person on a stage play, and maybe that's an entry into the writing world. You know, start small, start with something that you can control and then see what happens.
1: yeah. Definitely. That's a great idea. But since we're talking about uh, all the writing of movies, we should just jump right into our first topic, I think, for the day, which is (laughs) to talk about some movies that we think are the best written movies. Um, So I have a few on my list, but we'll let our our guests go first. So Kirby, what do you think of some uh, really good, well-written movies?
0: Yeah, so for me, the best scripts, and I think they're the most difficult to write, are the ones that have surprise ending so a twist mm-hmm. ending for me is bread and butter like i wish i could write like that i try to write like that but the sixth sense
2: yeah is mm-hmm.
0: one of the best written scripts i think of the modern age just to to lead you down a road and then completely switch it on you and then to watch it three more times and find more nuances uh, primal fear is another great one where you have that twist ending um I think it's hard to surprise modern audiences you know we're skeptics Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of things uh good and bad and so I just love a script that comes in and turns you on your head and then I also just love scripts that are ballsy right like Jojo Rabbit which is a Taika Waititi again Um, can you can you imagine pitching that you guys like
1: yeah (laughs) yeah, it's just so so off the wall
0: so off the wall like okay a kid in nazi germany has a best friend they do everything together also it's hitler and it's a child's understanding of hitler and then we see the war through his eyes like and it was so successful but i just cannot imagine (laughs) that film it's just ballsy
1: i think that movie only got made because it was him i don't know that (laughs) other directors could have made a movie that would that wouldn't just be the most offensive thing to the, all the audiences. I think because of, of his quirkiness and his style, he's able to make that movie and pull it off. Because mm-hmm. other people I don't think could. But that movie, is I agree with you. That's a fantastic movie. Very well written. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Very thoughtful, too, in certain areas. A great, great, great movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thoughtful humor, I think, is pretty difficult.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how
0: about you guys? What are you, What's your list?
2: Um, I have... Um, this isn't any particular order. I mean, some of these are based off books, but I have Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. I have uh, No Country for Old Men, I have Memento, Annie Hall, uh, The Social Network. I guess more of the uh, I guess those are like your you know, pulp fiction, those are like people always talk about, but I always liked Sideways. You remember that with
1: um, yes, yes. Giamatti. Sure. that's a great.
0: Movie.
1: Sideways is a great movie, very, very underrated, I think. It didn't get mm-hmm. the love it should have got. Yep. Mm-hmm. also have here, I think it's a
2: great, I think it's a great film. I think it should have won Best Picture, uh, Brokeback Mountain. That's a great movie. Mm. That movie's, you know, I know some people like the, the, the context of it, but it's a freaking great movie. Everything. I mean, he won Best Director for that yeah. movie. You know, on fire, man. That movie's damn good, you know? Um, Next I do even have, yep, even have Seven on here. Oh,
1: uh, what's in the box? Not taking, give me the what's guy. in the fucking
2: box? Give me the um and Reservoir Dogs, so and you can go on and on. But I actually, later on, I have a question uh, I, I want to ask Kirby, but not not yet. I want to answer. DJ, I want to hear yours. <laughs> I,
1: I have an eclectic um, list of movies here that don't necessarily all fit together, but when I think of movies that were written very well, um, these are the first things that came to mind. I did no research on what I thought on what the world thinks are best-written movies. I just... Yeah, my head. Yeah, and uh, the first movie that I thought of when I was thinking about really well written movies was The Princess Bride. Yes, uh, that I oh, mean, it's great. quotable for days, right? Oh, you know, oh. but the the story in it, it has comedy, it has a little bit of action, it has some romance, it, it just has adventure to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's set in a, a different period, and it's visually they have things that are worth looking at, but. Just funny mm-hmm. gags too, visually. Like when you really just sit down and watch it, and like I said, quotable forever. I mean, they're just such great dialogue in that movie. You know, uh, I, I think that, and I, and it's rewatchable. I think a well written movie should be something oh, you yeah. want to watch again. Because mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's well written, it should be something that sticks with you, and you're like, I need to watch that again. I want to see it again. It's, it doesn't get old. And for me, that movie mm-hmm. is the epitome of a movie that ages just fantastically and doesn't get old. I also put on here Fight Club. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, that's another movie when you talk about twists mid-movie or Mm. things you don't see coming. I mean, if you read the book first, you might know. But, you know, but when you you read the book or watch the movie and it's the first time you're seeing that story, there are definitely things where you're like, oh, my God, I never expected that was going to be in there. It's the same guy. Like, it's just, you know, that to me is a well-written movie. And, again, rewatchable. Every time I watch that movie, I pick something else up. I put Goodwill Hunting on my list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Ben Affleck doesn't get the credit he deserves as a writer. I've said that Mm. for a long time and a director. I don't know how much of Goodwill Hunting was him versus Matt Damon. Uh, Mm. I think when that movie first came out, everyone thought it was very Matt Damon heavy, the writing. Um, But I think after seeing what Ben Affleck has done in his later part of his career, it's Mm. very possible that he had more to do with the success of that script. Um, going back to Kevin Smith, he was a producer on that movie and he helped, and I'm sure he helped with some of that dialogue. Um, you know, Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck are part of that whole View Askew crew. Yeah, yeah. And that's how, you know, Kevin Smith got that movie produced. It was his pull that helped, and I'm sure some of his writing made its way in there to help with that dialogue. But that's, again, there's not really a twist there, but it's just well written, well made, a lot of feeling behind it. Uh, Mike mentioned this one already, but Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You can never say enough good things about Pulp okay. Fiction. Well-written, well-acted, just fantastic. Quentin's best. And then my last one, I was going to only pick one because I wanted to make a list of five movies. And I couldn't figure out which one of these was better. And they both starred Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. And I could not figure out which one was the better written film because I think they're both so great. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And the Truman Show.
2: Yes, I I never seen mine yet, but Truman Show. I should have. Yeah, Peter
1: Weir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I right. don't
0: think I could compare them either. They're just such different genres,
1: such, right? So completely different. I mean, the range it shows that Jim Carrey has as an actor, mm-hmm. uh, unbelievable. And there's, but they're both so well written. I'm like, you know what? I could say both, so I will.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you shall, and you shall. Yeah. It's your show. Exactly. You know, it's interesting, Mike. Listening to your list, you know, a lot of those are adapted from short stories. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Redemption yeah. was a, a Stephen King short story, yeah. and Brokeback Mountain was too. Um, I have never attempted to take a short story and, you know, elongate that into any kind of long form script. Uh, I almost wonder if it's if it, is it easier to start from a short story, or is it easier to just start from scratch and and then you can go wherever you like, you know, in in mm-hmm. the plot.
1: Yeah, I would. I would tend for me, I would think something completely original Mm. and not basing it off of a story, although you are right. A lot of these really well-written movies do start as a book or a short story or something else. Yeah,
0: something to pull from.
1: Yeah, I. Well,
2: two quick things, Uh, just going back to Princess Bride, I think. Everything you said was awesome, TJ. I I think people forget that the whole thing with Fred Savage. As a kid, yeah. People forget about that whole part of that movie because yes, they are yeah, think absolutely. about all these other funny characters, blah blah blah. But that's a really big <laughs> makes that what's that movie even magical, you know? Like is, and Deadpool it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my question for Kirby is, I'm just curious. So uh, I know we Pete and I talked about the Star Wars films, but um. Oh my god ryan johnson okay he made the last shot Blah 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 but i'm curious about how do you think what do you think of i don't know if you saw both of his the knives out do you like because some people break that guy look i know we know last shot i wasn't perfect you da, 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 know okay but but knives out i love the first one. Second one's okay but i'm just curious what do you think as a because you think about twists and all that that's why i sure. yeah
0: yeah it, it's interesting um I, because in Knives Out, hopefully this isn't too much a spoiler, but you know, the whole time, right? It's this, and I think Alfred Hitchcock had a really similar theory of, you know, there's a bomb under the table and you show the audience the bomb in the beginning, but no one else knows about it. And so you just keep going back to it. So I feel like Knives Out did something like that. Mm. And I did not find it as as appealing as being completely surprised. You know, it felt like we were in the know so early that the actual climax lost its edge. Uh, I still loved it. I still thought it was excellent, but just with that part of it, you know, the the twist before a twist, uh, uh, I just didn't love it as much as the more traditional keep everyone in the dark until it's time to to take center stage right. and uh, flip it on its head. But I, I mean, everyone I spoke to disagreed with me uh, and really enjoyed that it was different. So I get I get both opinions.
1: Well, if it makes you feel better, I agree with you. I thought that movie... I thought thought the movie was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I I watched it. I was entertained by it, but I wasn't blown away by it by any stretch. I thought there were some interesting parts, you know. It was definitely well-acted and all, but I I don't get necessarily all the hype around it. Ryan Johnson... Well, I won't talk about Last Jedi. There's a whole episode everyone can go back to and listen to me shit all over that movie, but... Um, he also did Looper. I think I don't know if he yeah, wrote yeah, yeah. Looper. Oh, did, interesting. Did he direct or just direct? Yeah, no, you're
2: right. He did. Yeah, yeah. No, he wrote it. In direct. Yeah, he's. I don't think he's bad. I think he's just. Well, I like, think he's Looper, starting to find that's... his footing with Knives Out. I think he's talented for sure. You know,
1: Looper could be on the list of of really well written movies. Um, more than his other ones, I like Looper a lot. Although I don't know that I really believe that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a young Bruce Willis by any stretch. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but I thought the the – Different content, issue. Yeah, <laughs> the premise of that movie I thought was really good. Uh, and even in execution, it was good. I just – I don't see JGL growing up into being uh, Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm.
0: Technically not a script issue, but <laughs> yeah, fair.
1: Right, right. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so, oh, so
2: oh, of, of issues, okay. I think we're going to talk about uh, – I think you are looking to go into – bad movies that's, right. what yep. <laughs> that's what i was
0: gonna do yep some of the worst yeah you know i have a i had a hard time with this because i would literally hate for anyone to read my script and say okay this is yeah. one of oh. the worst scripts right. i have ever right. read right right. <laughs> right so i i will be as respectful as possible you know i the one I that <laughs> <laughs> fair but you have not read my script so, that's fair. so like yes that. go ahead go ahead um the, the ones that stick out to me are the ones where the climax, you know, the turn of the narrative are, are weak, just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. So immediately I thought of Batman versus Superman, the whole save Martha oh, yeah. was just, I think that would be weak in a script form. You know, you would read that and say, is this enough? You know, is this enough to turn these characters who are trying to kill each other into working for the same side? You know, I did not see that as a good enough reason to to yeah. have this huge movie with all of these, you know, different characters all of a sudden switch. Uh, so that one comes to mind, you know, you need to have a strong motivation and a strong climax in order to, to move to part three, you know?
1: And Martha just didn't do it for you. <laughs>
0: it didn't. Did it do it for you?
1: No, no. Um, okay. Which is okay. a shame because up until that point in the movie, I actually loved that movie. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm a, like I said I'm a big comic book fan and yeah. there's so much in that movie inspired and drawn directly from comic books and I was okay. like, wow, this is like a, one of these books that I've read come to life. And then why did you say that name? And you're like, oh my God, what did we just do? <laughs> and there were so many better ways we could have accomplished the same thing. We, I mean totally. anything, anything yes. could have done that. I, I mean,
0: we both hate spandex.
1: Anything would have been better. But why not just have Superman do something that Batman sees and he's like, wait a minute, this guy, if he was really looking to destroy the earth, he wouldn't have done the thing he just did. I have this wrong. And it could be something personal. It could have been like, maybe he does save Alfred or something like there's anything could have happened. They had a, I don't know, there was, they could have used kryptonite and Superman sacrifices himself with some kryptonite. To save some humans, and then Batman's like, "Wait a minute! If he was trying to take us over, he wouldn't have done this thing." And maybe I have this wrong. I have to. Re- there was a better way to get to the to the point they got to without our moms have the same name. Right, right, right. So I agree with you. That part really flips that movie. I think the rest of the movie holds up and is really great. But that part really it makes the movie take a sharp turn.
0: It didn't tank the whole production for you.
1: It didn't tank the whole production. It tanked from that part of the movie forward. Um, because you can't get that part out of your mind. I think Mm -hmm. up until that point, I think it's, I think the opening of that movie, when you have Bruce Wayne running through Metropolis during the Man of Steel, I think that was just incredibly smart. I I think there's a lot of good in that movie. I think, I think the Martha part sours the movie, but it doesn't kill it for me.
0: Sure. And maybe that's like as a whole, right? The production can save, different elements of a yep. script that maybe are flat, you know, it's it's a whole production by a whole group um, but I bet if we read the script alone, it may not match what you hoped it would be
1: Right Very possible. Mm-hmm. PJ, what's on your list, man? I mean, we could go for days on movies I think are bad um, <laughs> but I will start with uh, I'll start with Signs because we what? said, no. yeah. bad PJ, bad. I mean, no, listen. Here's my <laughs> problem that with this movie. It's not I, perfect, but I love that I movie. We have a problem with the written, the writing of the movie. The whole thing is supposed to be about, you know, look, it's about the aliens, right? And they're coming to Earth, and the whole thing. These are the dumbest bunch of aliens I've ever met in my entire life. Really, they are. <clears throat> you
0: said they were going to be smart.
1: But I mean, if you know, you don't like. You're allergic to water maybe you don't come to the planet that's like 98% water. Like, it's just I'm like, alright, I mean, that's and then, oh no, they have evil poison dust, and this guy just happens to get an asthma attack, and he can't breathe it in. I'm like, that's just, I'm sorry, that's convenient. Right, well, I think that's where
2: I talk about signs, and it was like destiny, you know, and yeah, kind all of
1: stuff, and like it. the spiritual I mean, kind of thing, and faith, you know, mm-hmm. it's All the Deuce Ex Machina you can handle. Like, oh, we need a way for him to not breathe. Let's just he's got an asthma attack. We need a way to beat the aliens. They came to the water planet. Kevin Costner lives here on Waterworld. That's where the aliens came. Like, I, I always joke around. Like, my favorite crossover movies would have been Signs versus the Titanic. And like, this is in my mind. Like, my favorite crossover would have been like the Signs aliens come down. They're trying to take over. The ship lands on the Titanic. And the captain sinks the ship because he knows the water will kill the aliens, and that's why the okay. Titanic sinks. That's my favorite idea for a crossover movie.
0: Okay, I kind of love it.
1: That's I always I always say like if I could, if everyone's like when that versus thing became like Alien versus Predator, Batman versus Superman, like Freddy versus Jason, Jason, yeah. Like what versus movie would I make? I would make Signs aliens versus the Titanic. That's what I would do. I don't think that that movie was well written. I don't think it's among his best. I know I'm in the minority, but. Um, no,
0: I, I don't think you are at all. I think people either love the village, love signs, you know, are signed up for post six Sense Shyamalan, or they're not. You know, I feel like that's a, a big thing.
1: I also put on this list to to bring back to the DC universe of it all. Uh, Wonder Woman 84. Oh, yeah. woof! Oh. <laughs> that was all. That cool. was, that's a tough movie to sit through uh, mm-hmm. because there's so much bad about it. <laughs> and then you're like, well, that's just bad on a surface level. But then when right. you really start to think how they turned Wonder Woman into a rapist, that's really an interesting, uh, <laughs> an interesting twist.
0: I don't remember that part. I will explain it's...
1: why I okay. say this. If you remember that movie, there's the whole thing where she, there's the wishing rock or whatever they call it. And, and it brings back Steve Trevor, sort of.
2: But that it just was dumb. Turns, it's right. dumb.
1: That part but was it dumb. It doesn't bring back Steve Trevor. It turns some other dude.
2: Yeah, just,
1: right. And she sees the other dude as Steve Trevor. And the guy whose body, that is, has no idea what's going on. And there's many a scene in that movie where things go on. And that poor dude probably wouldn't have said no to Gal Gadot. I'm pretty sure of it. Like, if he had the chance, he probably would have been like, yeah, no, I'm good. But – there's not, a consent lot of consent is important. there's not a lot of consent going on there in that movie. And so, and the Wishing Rock itself, that whole thing was just the dumbest. A
0: little
1: lazy. Yeah. I mean, that movie, there's so much bad. And then it becomes a Christmas movie at the end. You're like, oh, it's Christmas time. Where did this come from? Why is there a Christmas? It's a
0: Hallmark time? film.
1: Yeah, it does. It turns into a Hallmark <laughs> film at the end. And it's like, she goes back to the city and she runs into, and she sees him in the crowd. I'm like, this is bad. Stop it stop it right now that movie is awful and that's why we're not getting a third one because of how bad the second one was yeah and i agree that script
0: yeah. is is, <laughs> it
1: is you not know just,
0: yeah you have you have a, a big budget you have great actors and so when you ultimately get to that end product it's just baffling
1: just baffling is a good word especially because of how great the first one was it was such a unique yeah. thing to have a world yeah. war one movie and I mm-hmm. thought the first one was great, and I thought the follow-up really was just dog shit. And then, <laughs> that's no other way to put it. And then I also put on here, although I don't have much to say about it, when we talk about badly badly written movies, it cannot have a list without Jaws 3D. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, because the first Jaws is, like, peak. A perfect film. Yeah, it's perfect. Wait, Tarantino put on a film list.
0: and then et cetera.
1: Right, there's one. In for the Jurassic, Jurassic Park.
0: One, and et cetera.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that those are my list of, of badly written movies. How about you, Mike? You got any bad written movies? Um, I guess
2: another superhero wanting Suicide Squad is like one of the first one. First That's, one. That was horrible. I mean, yikes. I feel like for me, a, a movie that is boring and I'm sitting if I'm I think nothing's worse when you're watching. You know, I think you said you see that climax that doesn't work. And all of a sudden it takes you Man. out of the film. I feel like that movie, I was out of that movie like 10, 15 minutes in. I was like, this is not good. This is like a, this is a car accident in slow motion. Woo.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: clunky.
0: It was clunky. It didn't flow. Uh,
1: it's, I think it's the opposite of Batman versus Superman. Whereas the production kind of saved some of the bad writing in Batman versus Superman. I think the production may have hurt. Any good writing that was in that movie because the original trailers we saw for that movie was not the movie that we saw. In the oh, trailer. no way. Mm-hmm. Right. I put uh,
2: two other quick ones. I know things on Netflix aren't going to be like low budget, and I kind of like something like a movie like Jaws 3 um i even put like no the movie the room i'm like those movies would be like oh it's the worst movies of all time like i don't really consider that because these are low budget these are right nobodies and we know what it is so I, I don't but movies that have like a like an actual budget stars in it so i saw these on netflix i think those i thought these were horrible because we're going to talk about do modern movies suck today and these two are just uh elona elona holmes uh that's what the girl from um oh, 11 I, I
0: stranger yeah. thing yeah yep yeah.
2: And, and Henry Cabals it. He's, he's, Charlotte yeah. that movie's awesome. Mm-hmm. I was watching my fiance. We ended up turning it off half, halfway. We just thought it was so boring. I couldn't. Get I enjoyed it. it. I could not what? get
1: through it. Oh my I enjoyed God.
0: it. I thought it was quirky and, and for probably like a young adult. Teen. Uh, yeah. I, I I was entertained.
1: Yeah. I think we and, might not be the target demographic, Mike, because right. my wife also loves
2: We talked sure. about this I think um uh, previously like I don't it's even if I'm not the target audience, like a movie like we talked about Disney movies in the beginning, like I always loved Little Mermaid, I love Cinderella. I never thought like well this does not for me. I, I just enjoyed it for what it is. Sure. I'm not really in, like I like uh thirteen going on thirty, I like clueless, I like legally blonde. I don't really I like chick flicks, that doesn't really bother. Like the holiday, you know, yeah. so Um, you know, sometimes I think that stuff is like, oh, it's not for me. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. But I don't know. But there's another movie on there, Netflix. Awful. It's called, it's this Christmas movie. It's called Happiest Season. Man, everything about that is just bad. Uh, Kristen Stewart's in it. I think it's probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen on screen. Her and the movie The Producers with, um, oh, hi, Rex. My cat's here. Um, uh, what's his name? Nathan Lane and uh, Matthew, is it Matthew Broderick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the producers first, you don't like? Not no. I'm talking about the movie. The movie. The movie. Right. That movie is, is his performance in that is horrendous. Matthew his is horrendous in that film. I
1: I don't know if I agree with that one. Yeah, in the movie, I you don't. think do you like
2: Matthew Broderick's performance in that film? I don't like Matthew do. Broderick's
1: performance in any movie. But I also think that the producers is a pretty good movie. No, no, I'm
2: talking about right. the, his performance, not the movie. I didn't say writing. I'm saying his the acting. His acting is
1: one of the. I right. mean, just in general, it's he's not. Yeah, right. You well, have it was,
0: to be up here for a musical, right? Like you have to sustain this oh, uh, this
2: top I, I mean, tier it's, level it's, it's, of energy. But that, his, not, his performance in that is not good. And the movie is the story and everything is amazing. That's uh, as Mel Brooks. Absolutely, that movie's popping off. I'm talking about his performance. In that is awful, and it's sure. one. And, he uh, did
0: originate that on Broadway, so maybe he took that level of performance where he's playing right to the top tier. Uh, balcony seats and then just put it on film, and it was just too much.
2: I, I don't know. I don't know. Matthew Broderick was not good in that movie, but um, <laughs> maybe he's better on, maybe he's better on in person, but I don't know. But anyway, some of these movies are just like we talked, these are just some disaster films. But well, Matthew Broderick, by the way, peaked at Ferris Bueller, so I mean, yeah, I maybe mean, Lion King or Cable Guy. I like him in Cable, you know, Cable Guy. Oh,
0: the Lion shit, King. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I think Cable Guy is, I don't really don't like him. I don't really like Ferris Bueller, that movie to begin with, that much. Oh. But, yeah.
0: Well, God that's a different moral.
2: episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but folks, does today's movies, uh, do they just suck, or is it just me? <laughs> what?
1: So, that's a, a loaded question. Um, I don't know if they all suck. Right, uh, right. But I think there's a difference in the way, personally, I find there are differences in the way movies are made today. And I think they're, they become very polarizing the way they make mo- movies used to kind of be for everyone right and everyone like kind of like you were saying before that when i was saying maybe it's not that movie's not for us and you were saying how you can enjoy any movie i think they're purposely making movies now that yeah. you have to pick a side and if you're not yeah. on the side of the movie you're kind of like well i don't want to watch it and i think it's bad so i'm not going to watch it they're very politicized and all that other stuff and i think I think that's sometimes when you watch a movie, you can interpret it as bad, even if it's not, because you don't agree with the the stance the movie's taking, and I think mm-hmm. that makes the movies feel like they're not as good today if you if you're against the side the movie is taking. That's just something I think about when I watch movies now. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What about you, Kirby? What are yeah, your-
0: you know I- we talked about. You know, we talk about low attendance in theaters. You know, I sat through, I went to Oppenheimer twice and I went to Barbie twice and both were sold out like Monday night. Hmm. Um, so I feel like theater has become, you know, they're pricing out really a majority of people, uh, families of four, how can you afford to go? Yeah. You know, you're pricing out people. And so now the new direct-to-video is streaming you know, you would, you used to go pick up the VHS or whatever went straight to video. And that didn't mean they were necessarily bad films, you just didn't want to pay the money to put them on the screen and market those. And so now that's just where we're coming to is that, you know, there's low tens in theaters, because it's expensive. And because it feels like you have to, you know, go out and be amongst people. And, you know, they're going to cough and they're going to talk and be on their phone. You know, is it not that movies suck? Is it that, you know, audience suck a little bit? You know, yeah. I, I, I can't remember the last time I went to a movie and someone was not on their phone.
1: Yeah, true.
0: You know, our post-COVID, I feel like our respect for our fellow man has has yes. just gone down. And you see that reflected in, in the theater, which used to be a sacred space. No talking no looking at your phone you don't have to multitask but you know if you're streaming in front of your TV you can do whatever you like so it's it's just changing i don't think more movies suck i think we have a lot more movies to choose from
1: and ultimately
0: they're going to some of them are going to suck you know it's just the odds of numbers you know, yeah. if you had 10 films released a year and two of them sucked, well, now it's 120 of them sucked. So it's just a it's just a game of numbers right now. I, I feel like we still do get these fantastic, you know, lifelong loving films like Oppenheimer I can talk about for days and days. Uh, you know, just epic and timeless. Um, And then you're also still going to go see, you know, one of <laughs> – I should have said this for worse script, but the one with uh Pharaoh and um Riley, they did Holmes and Watson. Mm. And
2: oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We sat third row for that, sold out theater. And I wanted to leave. I mm. wanted to stand up and leave. And I don't do that. But you know, now our we just don't go to theaters for those films anymore. Let's wait till they stream. We already paid for it. Yeah. You know, we yep. don't have to take out a loan. You know, it's already coming out of our monthly bill. Uh, yeah. I think we're just evolving as an audience.
1: Mm. That's an interesting point, too, when you mention Holmes and Watson, because that's a comedy. And uh, yeah. the guy from Pitch Perfect, um, Bumper, what's his name? Adam Devine. Adam um, Levine. Whatever yeah. his name is.
0: Yeah.
1: He, he, um, he had a comment on a podcast, um, Theo Vaughn's podcast, the other day, and I didn't think about this until he mentioned it. And he said the reason comedies are dying is Marvel is killing comedy movies
0: oh, because yeah, Marvel yeah,
1: yeah. is two hundred billion dollar extravagant movies, and Marvel tends to make their movies funny on top of being just action or superhero movies. And you know, he his hypothesis or theory was um, why would someone go to see? a low-budget comedy movie for 20 bucks. if you can go and see an epic tale of a comic book adventure, you know, an Avengers-type movie that's just a giant-scale $200 million budget movie, for the same price, the audience is going to go see that instead. And is that killing, you know, the comedy movie? And let's be honest, I mean, streaming is great, but... I, I don't watch that many direct-to-Netflix movies. I, I watch some of them, but yeah. there's too many, so you can't watch them all. The idea of a movie coming out in the theater and only you know, five, maybe five movies get released a week, six weeks, and you're like, well, this comedy looks like the best of the bunch. I'm going to go see it. Now the best of the bunch is going to be an epic Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to go see a small comedy. And I think he has a really great point. Yeah, I think – you know, I know a lot of people compare this to
2: like the 70s where like there was like this changing of the guard, all of a sudden they gave all these guys, like, you know, um, Mike Nichols and you know, uh, you know, Spielberg. Friedkin, he just passed away. Um, you, know, um, you know, he made the exorcist, all that kind of stuff. That whole, so maybe, hopefully, you know, with all this, what so the, I guess, comic, comic book movie Burnout. You know, you have the the streaming changing. And I think now I, I do think audience want some variety, you know, for sure. I think there's, I mean, you see two polar movies, Barbie and Oppenheimer, and everyone's bugging out about it. So I think studios, look, they're copycats. They've been doing this since Hollywood started. You know what I mean? So I think hopefully this will start a new trend where you're going to get. Just kinda of off the wall things. And I, I truly do I know PJ, you and I spoke about like how we think it's it's been the death of the movie star. We don't think social media has helped for sure. Mm. But I do feel that you can kinda of maybe re reshine that star <laughs> <laughs> if you have these variety of films all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I want to see the new like uh uh because I think he's very funny. What's his name? Uh he played Captain America. What's his name? Oh, uh, Chris uh Chris. Yeah, cuz I think he's a very funny actor. You know, I like him mm-hmm. in not not another team movie. That's a very underrated comedy. Uh Throwback. Yeah, he was in Knives Out, the first one. Mm-hmm. But someone like him, I think he, he you give him like a like a really good film, but a one and done film. Not a thing's going to start a whole freaking, you know, franchise, but I think you can revitalize the um the Hollywood uh, movie star. Maybe not as big as you know was years ago, but you can kind of get it back cuz because people always want to see the new Tarantino. It's more like mm-hmm. a director's kind of thing right now. But I think, um, you know, I know we talk about The Rock, too, I think, in the past, PJ, but he kind of has that star power. I don't really yes. think he's in that kind of – he's in there, but he's not really there. But I think – kind just of side note. I think he really needs to play a villain, and then he can really become the next Schwarzenegger. But he doesn't really have that role. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's room. But like you said, Kirby, I think yeah. you, know, you said with audiences, and that's a huge part, too. But I also wonder if time. the Marvel
1: movies and the DC movies have killed the idea of the movie star also because oh, the yeah. characters that they're portraying are bigger than the actors. Like, mm. you know, you could be the best actor in the world, but you probably haven't – you're not as important to the world as Batman, Superman, yeah. and Spider-Man are. Like, you know, you're an actor who's here in a moment in time, and these are characters that have been around since the 30s. They're larger-than-life mm. elements in pop culture. You, the character is elevating you. You're not elevating that character, and I wonder mm-hmm. if that kills the movie star vibe a little bit because you don't see them as the actor so much as now they're the character.
0: Except Chadwick Boseman.
1: Chadwick Boseman. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a, a fantastic actor. He didn't. I
0: think he, that's one that's going to go down in history as uh, always having a conversation of do we ever recast Black Panther? They
1: should have absolutely recast Black Panther the minute he went cold. I don't know how else to say that. I don't want to sound. Uh, I don't want to sound heartless here. The minute that guy was gone, we should have taken a couple of days. We should have been really sad about it. We should. Have, we should have been there for the memorials, and then we should have threw somebody else in that cat suit real quick because. You, and again, because Black Panther is a, it he is a character that was going to be integral to the plot of these movies going forward. He was an Avenger. I mean, look how many Batmans have we have? Yeah, I get it that Michael Keaton didn't die. He stopped doing the role, but you the world doesn't stop moving because someone died and this is a character that he's portraying. it wasn't he wasn't being Chadwick Bozeman on film.'re we're, we're not recasting Chadwick Bozeman. right yeah. um, uh, what's his face? I always say who I thought would have been a great choice is um I can't think of his name right now. Den, Denzel's kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John, John Washington. I uh, He should have been, the, he could have been the new Black Panther. He's a fantastic mm-hmm. actor. Um, would he have had the same type of portrayal of the character? Probably not. But he's a great actor, and we could have kept going with Black Panther. I'm not saying John Washington should start going around as Chadwick Boseman, because that's not a thing he can do. But I don't think someone dying should mean we don't see a fictional character anymore. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just crazy talk.
0: I like what they did with it. I like that Shuri became the Black Panther. I think that made total sense in the realm of that plot.
2: All right, so Kirby, I know you want to talk about, uh, you know, the actors and writer strike. You know, I'm just, you know, you know, what are your thoughts and you know, what do you think about this? Sure,
0: sure. And I don't want to. We don't get to. We don't need to get too far into it. You know, I'm not a part of either of those organizations, but I just think it's important when we talk about writing, writing scripts, writing for film you know, writing screenplays to acknowledge that, you know, hopefully one day my co-workers are, are out there striking. And, you know, I agree with what they're striking about, you know, the, you hear more about the numbers of, you know, the streaming percentages that they're getting. And it's really eye-opening yeah. <laughs> and uh, important to think about just to know that they're supported and you know, I keep reading different things. I keep reading that it could end tomorrow, that it will never end, that AI will take over. So I, I don't have a pulse on, on what's going on, but it's an interesting time to to be writing. Um, you know, I feel I haven't been promoting, you know, my scripts on my Instagram page or anything like that. Even, you know, I'm not in those organizations, but you know, I want to stand in, in solidarity. So it's just an interesting time to be a creator.
1: I feel like for the strike, I think they they are definitely doing the right thing, right? The AI and all that. People tend to think that these are millionaires fighting billionaires, but it's not mm-hmm. about that because it, this isn't the top money-making people striking because they want more money. It's the writers that you know are writing these movies but can't afford their bills. It's the extras that are in the yeah. background of these movies that – their likeness is, is basically being stolen and used in other areas and they're not getting paid so for crazy. it. Yeah. It, it's not the, um, it's not the, the big name actor making a billion dollars a movie. You know, it's not your Robert Downey Jr. Saying we should strike cause we want more money. That's not the reason these people are striking. I think that gets lost on people and they, they tend to see, like I said, millionaires fighting billionaires and that's not what this is about at all. Yeah. I think, right. also,
2: I think also too, like I was, talking about earlier about like like the changing of the guards. Like I said, we're in this weird moment, you know, cause you have the, the, this, you know, these, you know, these folks on strike and then you have this thing right now. That's kind of like, it's blowing up. You guys heard about the movie talk to me. I think it's mm-hmm. service in theaters, but basically eight twenty four, Right. So yeah. So you have these two guys who have this YouTube channel. I don't know the name. I forgot their names, but they have like, they make their own, you know, small films, you know, and they made this movie. And now it's blowing up. So I, you might you might have Hollywood go okay, instead of using these folks who are unionized, blah blah blah, you get these cats who are these free agents, whatever you call them, these mercenaries, and all of a sudden you might have this explosion of creativity, you know. So I mean, it's it's a very weird, like I don't know, it's it could be a lot of like anything unintended consequences, good ones yeah. bad ones. So it could be quite a turning point. Kirby, we got to say something. Yeah, I think. All right. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no worries. I was just gonna say, I think it was Mark Ruffalo who said, you know, the the place to be right now is in indie film. Yeah. You know, A24 is one of the only studios that the organizations have said can continue working because they're already meeting those standards. So I he's got a point. You know, indie films can surge, you know. Blair Witch Project, wasn't that an indie film? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to the yeah. extreme. And it makes so much money. So it's it's something to consider.
1: Mm-hmm. To bring it back full circle, I started talk, the, the episode we were talking about how I like Kevin Smith and the Clerks movies. He just got an exception to film his newest movie that he's coming out with because it is going to be more of an indie production, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're letting him, I don't know what studio, whatever it's coming out with, I, I didn't look that far into it, but I did see that he got an exception to film his movie for the same reason. The indie studio that it's coming out through already follows the guidelines and does the things that everyone's fighting for, so they're letting him do it. Which you know maybe that's something that should be said for some of these indie these indie companies and these indie production studios that they're doing a better job. They're they're keeping people first. You know something to think about for all these big conglomerates out there. Keep the people first. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna see. No one's gonna make you money if you uh, if they don't want to work for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um,
2: folks, we're, uh, it seems like we're running out of time out of our lunch period. And, um, but I just want to say, Kirby, you are a fantastic um, guest on our show. We're going to have Kirby again in the future, folks, on a future episode. Um, so, stay tuned for that. So, Kirby, do you want to share any of your you know, your plugs or anything like that where people can follow you and all that jazz?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm on Instagram. It's popcorny.movies. It's my username. And then I also have a website with my different uh, written works on it, and that's KirbyTaylor.com.
1: Great. Check it out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cool kids, check out both the uh, the Instagram and the website. The Instagram has some, some very funny memes on there, and you're going to appreciate them, so definitely check them out. I also wanted to say thank you for joining us, uh, Kirby. We really appreciate you, and we're happy to have you come back on as a guest soon.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, folks, so uh, you know the deal. Uh, same time – same
1: table hey cool kids it's your pal PJ here hope you had a great time listening to this episode that we recorded with our guest Kirby we had a great time recording it we really hope you enjoyed listening to it Kirby's going to be back with us on September the 7th and we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings Uh, there's probably going to be some lively debate about those movies so definitely meet us at the lunch table for that episode next week on the 31st of August our friend Amy will be back. and We're going to be talking about some adult-themed cartoons. That means South Park, Rick and Morty, shows like that. We hope you join us for that episode. So we'll see you around the lunch table. Make good choices, kids. We'll see you next week.
0: Boys and girls, lunchtime is over. Please visit PJ and Mike's website, coolkidslunchtable.podbean.com, for more information. Follow the boys on all social media apps. Just search Cool Kids Lunch Table Podcast. Now get to class before you get detention.